This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. In today's episode of Awesome Humans, I'm joined by business owner, event organiser and coach, Donnie Fraser. Donnie's the managing director of the Australian skateboarding community. Aside from that, Donnie's a coach at Slow Coach. He provides coaching through videos. I've also heard this awesome human may have been a stuntman in a film once. I'm sure we'll get to that one a bit later on. I'm excited today about today's podcast and to hear the story of Donnie. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming down to the studio. Big trip from Brisbane. Yeah, I came up nice and early. Uh, it wasn't the same traffic uh, at the moment. So. Goes the other way. So you've done well. Yeah, so you're going got against lucky. the traffic, which is good. Mate, I, I, this story is all about you. And what I like to do is I always start with this. So the first question is, what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Three years old. Three years old? Yes. What's the memory? Uh, when my parents moved into the house they're in today and I remember going down the back stairs and there was this, uh, the old lady next door and she was saying hello and she yeah. asked how old I was. Um, and I was scared because she had these giant dogs and there was a really bad fence. So <laughs> I remember like holding onto that rail and just sort of talking to her across the yard because I didn't want to go too close to the fence. Isn't it amazing how sort of you can, that's vivid memory? Yeah, yeah, I remember well. I remember uh, the fence. It was just wooden slats with holes in the middle. It was all bushland there. And um, and where was that? Uh, in uh, South Brisbane, in uh, Salisbury, actually. Salisbury, okay. So where were you born? In Brisbane, uh, the Mater Hospital. Okay. And you grew up in South Brisbane? Yes. So primary school? Uh, I went to Maruka. Maruka. And what sort of kid were you in primary school? Were you good, naughty? Medium, medium, actually. What, what's uh, a medium kid? <laughs> I think it's when you do bad things but apologise for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you ask for forgiveness. Yes. <laughs> and did you have lots of mates or were you a bit of a loner? What, how'd you, uh, how were you as a little kid? No, I was uh, pretty good. I was pretty social. played a lot of sport. I did basketball. I did rugby league. Um, I didn't skateboard actually till I was 13. So oh, really? Yeah. Um, did a lot of other things before then. I mean, we had a couple of boards we cruised around the, the, the house on in the driveway but didn't really pick it up till much later. Oh, wow. Okay, so then what high school did you go to? Uh, Yoronga. Yoronga. So yes. how far away is that from where the primary school was? Oh, uh, Same maybe. sort of area? Yeah, pretty close, like a few minutes, a couple of train stops. Um, not it's the same either. kids? So you went through sort of primary and high school together or? Oh, a couple of them. Like I know one of my friends went there. He was like a, a refugee from Bosnia. I made friends with him in primary school and yeah. like, he didn't know a lot of people. He came there with us, so that was pretty cool. But I did... I guess make a lot new a lot of new friends there as well. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? One of my kids has just started high school this year and you look at um, the difference between sort of they had this big group of mates and they go and they start all over again. It's like a, a, a sort of rehoming of finding people. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah, and even with primary school, like you don't necessarily keep those friends for life, but I feel like when you run into them later, they're like... It's like you've known them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very lucky. I've got a, a pile of friends that I went to primary school with and we're still mates now like 40 years later. Oh, that's amazing. Which is which is pretty uncommon. I didn't realise that until uh, I sort of talked to people and they're like, wow, I wouldn't even know where those people were in my life. So, yeah, no, it's pretty uh, pretty pretty lucky in that sense. So in high school, did you change? Were you, were you then uh, a good kid, bad kid, jock, nerd? Where, where would you sort of put yourself? 
I think I was, uh, I was, to be honest, I was pretty smart. I could coast. Um, I could. So you, you were know, like a cruiser kid. I could pass my grades and do pretty well in my grades without too much effort. So I definitely utilized that to be when I started skateboarding as well to be able to spend more time skateboarding. Uh, so where'd you get that from? Parents? Were they, were they, what, did you, what did your parents do? My uh, father was a, he's a league player. Then he did some building. He's a builder. Um, okay. And my mother, she was doing a lot of things when I was younger. Right now she's a um, palliative care worker. Uh-huh. Um, she won like Australian Care of the Year. She's Oh, congratulations. Helped, That's awesome. As weird as it sounds, helps people pass away peacefully. So Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's a beautiful. Like, not a job I want. I but couldn't do it. No. Yeah. Um, Funerals no, that's are a, part of your job. That's a um, a beautiful thing, though. Must be a very lovely lady. She's pretty good at that stuff, yeah. To be able to do that. Wow. Um, and what was that? He was a rugby league player. Yeah, he played uh, at Souths in Brisbane with uh, Wayne Bennett a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and he's been a builder. So was that pre-NRL days? Yes, the yeah. old school days where they had where they actually smoked at halftime and drank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you could have an actual fight and and then sort of have a beer with him after the game. Oh, his nose looks like a, a zigzag. So he, oh, really? he's definitely been through that era. <laughs> so where'd you get your smarts from? From dad, you reckon? Or from mum? To be honest, I think it's very learnt. Um I mean, they both have different intelligence skill sets, but had a pretty good nurturing environment as yep. a kid. Um, Makes it, a difference, doesn't it? Oh, big time. And they were the, the generation that you can do whatever you want to do. And then when you do it, they're like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> because there's been so much change from their generation to mine, you know. Yeah. Like back then it was this is your job, you do that job, you retire, you know. And then they encourage us all to do what we want to do. And then we're like, I'm going to work in this weird skateboarding thing. And then they worry that... Because they don't understand. How it. can how can you make money out of that? Yeah, what is what's he going to do? Why hasn't he got a trade? Why hasn't he done this? That's pretty weird, isn't it? Yeah. And were you an only child, or you got siblings? Oh, I got siblings. I got a brother. Um, he lives on Bribey Island with his family. And, and what's he do? At the moment, I think he does a bit of everything. He's yeah. done a lot of stuff. He had a construction company. Yeah. Uh, in the building game. Yeah, he did that for a while. Then he was a possum catcher. Um, okay. He actually really enjoyed that. Said it was great money. Yeah. Um, and he got didn't know it was a job. It is, yeah. There you go. They get them out of your roof, they seal the roof off, and they put them in the wild. Um, wow. So he was doing that for a while, and I think he's doing a bit of building stuff here and there at the moment. So. Okay. And other siblings or just you and your brother? Yeah, younger sister. Um, she lives near my mum, and she's a physiotherapist. Um, Isn't it funny, like, you get three kids that all do completely different things? It's just, you know, same house, all different ideals. You yeah. Know? I think the one thing we've all had in common is we've all had knee reconstructions. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> My sister's right now got a one-year-old at home um, and she's on the couch with her newest knee recon, so it sounds really fun. How'd she do hers? She Chasing was, a one-year-old? I think she was playing touch football and she looked down and her foot was sideways and the whole oh. bottom of her leg was uh, out the wrong way. So. And what was yours from skateboard riding? Yeah, I've had a few runs at that. Oh, um, yeah. So we, we're going through school, we're finishing school. What 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 do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grew up? I was probably pretty indecisive. I didn't have a, a particular plan. I also look back now and think, why do we let 17-year-olds pick their future when they don't even know what they want for dinner? Um, it's insane, mate. It I'm is. going through that at the moment. I've got a 17-year-old daughter. What do you want to do? No idea. Let them cruise for a bit. 100%. You know? um, there should be a couple of years of basic uni or something where they just yep. try different things. Um, I think wouldn't that be a good idea? You go to uni not to do a subject. You go to uni to work out what you want yeah. to do. It's like a buffet. That's a bloody of, great idea. Of courses. 
So you can do this bit or that bit. Oh, I'm actually I like I like English, so you do that or do that. But it doesn't go toward. But those credits go towards your actual final degree. Yeah, when you um That's when you pick up one you want. It's uh, it's definitely going to help people who you know can't make quick decisions. Well, a lot of these kids, as you say, seventeen year olds. How can you give a seventeen year old that decision? That's just insane. We didn't even know what we we're going to do half the time. No, exactly. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what do you want to do at seventeen? Well, no idea. <laughs> towards the end of school, I had this uh, phone call from. Uh, it, it just rang on the home phone. I answered it. It was like when block exams are on, and. Uh, when they were on, like we did the core skills test. It used to be the, the exam, the QCS it was called, and I got like the highest mark in the state on the practice test. Wow. Um, which was really cool. So uh, they had the other exams and I got this phone call with this like British accent and it's uh, this cousin of mine and he's a skateboarder and he lives in England. So you were, you were skateboarding by this time? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so you'd started at 13, you said? Yes. And how did that start? Let's go there before we go to England. Yeah, so... Um, so you're 13, who bought you your board, dad? Brother. Brother? Well, he was, uh, my neighbour skated, the one, it was his grandmother who was in the house next yeah. door with the angry dogs. Um, so he skated and my brother and his friends were skating. And when you say skated, like we're going to a bowl? Oh, uh, like skateboarding. Or we were skateboarding in the street. We were learning pretty new. So dad built us a rail, we'd take it out on the street and we'd yeah. wax up the gutters and kind of grind the gutters as well. <laughs> Um, I love it. And I wasn't really interested um, at the time and my brother and his friends would skate out on the side street there um, and they'd wax up the gutters and stuff and then the guy next door had given me his old setup so I could skate with him and I wasn't really interested. Um, kind of on the fence about it. And then I tried to ollie and I ollied like first go and my brother's been doing it for weeks. And couldn't do it? Uh, he was getting it, but, <laughs> but you nailed it. I just straight up did it and I was like, I got this. Yeah. Um, so you felt at home then, yeah? Mm. And just once I got comfortable on it, I just really felt, I think the thing I found is once my brother's like, you got to go street skating, you got to come into the city. We have this whole crew. We meet up with other people from other schools. We just so he now thought you were cool because you could ollie. Yes. Um, <laughs> Respect from the brother. I love it. Yeah. So we start going into the city and we find like, I, I loved how it progressed. So we'd go to a two stair and we'd all ollie the two stair. And then we, the next week we'd go to a three stair, then a four stair and it would progress upwards every week. You and know. was your brother hitting the same as you were or had you had overtaken him by this point? He was doing pretty good, although one time he I, he went out skating without me, he went to some other skate park, which he had to skate like 5Ks too as a mission. And yeah. he comes home and he's like, don't tell mom I broke my leg. Um, <laughs> and there's, <laughs> this, <right> then. <laughs> there's this egg on his shin that was like, no, it was pointy. Oh, you know? really? And he's so like, was bone. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So um, I don't know what I don't so what do you tell mom? what happened. I think he just kind of hobbled and oh I don't know if it would ever, I don't even remember if it was actually broken, but he's just like, don't tell her. Um, so your mum's going to listen to this podcast and then go and abuse your brother because he came up with a broken leg and she didn't know. I think over the years too, like now that we're adults and our parents are adults, we've slowly been rolling out all the stories that were never told and <laughs> they're hearing things like I think when we drove dad's car when we were like 12 or something and hit the, hit the house and, you know, they're all coming out. And do you reckon they knew some of these things? Yeah, they did because yeah. the house paint was all over dad's car. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, I'm just waiting for you to actually admit it. We just wanted paddle pops, you know. It was a corner <laughs> store was just out of walking distance. Um, it's a bugger, it will drive. Yeah. Love it. But then you hit the, they hit the house on the way back in. <laughs> I love it. So you're going from your progression of two stairs, three stairs, four stairs, and you're sort of starting to think I'm a good skater now. 
Yes. And I remember going into a skate shop. How old were you then? Uh, What'd that take? A couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years. Maybe 14, 15, around then when it was starting to really progress. Yeah. And then you go into your first, is this like the first time you've walked through the doors of a skate shop and it's like, oh, the big light and all that sort of stuff? Well, I got in this habit of snapping boards. I just was landing wrong because I was learning heaps. I mean, when, you, when you're learning heaps, you, you fail heaps, so you, you snap a lot of boards. And yeah. so I was, it was getting to a point where I guess it was going to almost become unaffordable. Yeah. So like I'd gone into a skate shop to look at sponsorship and they were pretty much like, dude, like have you actually seen the level of these people? And it was really cool for me to actually understand like, why would you sponsor someone who's just breaking all equipment and not at that level? But yeah. they were pretty good about it. And um, I think because the whole community of skateboarding was always about sponsorship and it was almost like an elite thing if someone had a sponsor. They were more sort of credible and it was that yeah. era where like a lot of those people didn't even, like they wouldn't talk to kids at skate parks. They were almost like elite. You know? I'm, I'm sponsored so you, can you get out of their that. way yeah, when they're yeah, doing yeah. a trick, you know, that sort of thing. And what was your first sponsorship? Mine was actually through a record store and skate shop at Coolum Beach. Really? Yeah, it was uh, Alleyway Music. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of people like uh, who were with us then that I still see now. Like there was Nikki Rose who's uh, still skating. There was a guy, Chiggy. Chiggy's got his own indoor park and skate school up the sunny coast and he yeah. was, he's a lot younger than me, he was like 13. I remember this little blonde kid with a bowl cut. Um, and were these guys surfing and stuff at the same time or are they just skaters? Bit of both. Were you um, surfing as well? To be honest, I haven't done it in a long time. I did when I was yeah. younger because I did, you know, um, nippers and my bronze down at North Kira. Yeah, so, okay. Um, we used to go out surfing on the weekends then when we'd come down and skate. That was probably around 16. Yeah. Um, so how old were you when you got your first sponsorship? I would have been 18 or 19. Okay. So you've been doing it for a while. Yes. And you were sort of... Going through school, and then then you were saying that you got this phone call. So you got you got number one in the state in an exam, and then you got a phone call with a British accent. Yeah. And so what did they say? I'll clarify that was definitely the practice exam that they do across okay. the state yeah. first. So um, <laughs> I've got this uncle John, and he was a project manager for Disney, and he used to uh, like build the Disneyland's all around the world and stuff. Um, what a great job! Yeah, he's a cool guy. He yeah. started off as like a plumber over here, and then won Apprentice of the Year, and then got to work in Hong Kong and then he just never came home. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So he, he married a, uh, a British woman and lived in England for years and so they're my cousins over there and this yeah. guy, my cousin was here and he skateboards and he was visiting from England. So my Uncle John's gone, you make, you make sure you call your cousin. Um, and he's gone, do you want to go skating? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So this is block exam time. So you're year. supposed to be studying. Yep. Um, next thing you know, I'm on a train to the city. Um, <laughs> I meet this dude. He's got a... Had you, you ever know. met him? No. Okay. Uh, he's got a good seven-inch beard, uh, <laughs> dreadlocks down to his butt. Um, he stinks. Um, I say that in the nicest way. He's not used to the humidity, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, He's come over here. He's just sweating up a storm. <laughs> um, and he's like, let's go for a skate. And it was weird. Like we had... The similarities with him and me were ridiculous. What, um, from a skate style or from just a, being a human? Oh, every, it was weird. Oh, both actually. Like everything I did, kick flip, he did heel flip, but they were the same tricks, you know, like a hard flip and an inward heel flip, which are basically the heel flip and kick flip version of those tricks. And then um, just personality-wise, and he had a brand, um, a skate brand that he was doing in England. 
Um, that he owned? Yes. Yeah, and what was that brand? Uh, it was, well, it started off as a label coping, like making some clothing, but uh-huh. then he ended up making this brand Drawing Boards, which is uh, still there today. Wow. Um, so him and I had been skating and the next thing you know we're out at night and my block exams are on and the core skills test and we're kind of, uh, I think maybe we slept in his car leading up to an exam. I can't remember exactly because he <laughs> bought a car for 400 bucks of some guy in Melbourne and yeah. I don't know how that works but um, I just remember he said something as well. He's like, look, if things go bad with your exams, I'll, I'll do what I can to look after you. Um, and so... And was he much older? Maybe five years. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe five years older than me. It's hard to tell now. But you had like a kindred spirit because you could both skate and you pretty much like each other. Yes. Yeah. So it was really cool. He had this brand. He was you know, family member, lived in England just like me. It was a really good um, experience. He even came to schoolies with me yeah. um, when I went to schoolies. But when my results came back from school, I had a shocking result. Oops. Um, my, my exams were pretty good, but that core skills test I got the highest in the state was like pff, terrible. Um, Mum and dad weren't happy? No. Mm-hmm. No, they weren't. Which is fair enough. They Do you remember that day? To us. <laughs> a little bit. Not really as well as I thought. Um, I think in my head I was like, this Adam guy said he's going to look after me, so, oh, so don't thing. worry about it. You know, I'm 17. <laughs> oh, this Adam guy with the dreads, he'll, be, he'll look after me. Um, you know, Uncle John's son from England. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone loved Uncle John, so yeah, that, yeah. that probably helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, so who was Uncle John? Dad's brother or mum's? Oh, it's, I don't know. Mum's side. Oh, okay. From Melbourne. Like yeah, mum's, yeah. mum's dad was like... Native American. He moved over here years ago or his family did and then he married my grandmother down there and something, something passed over a fence and this guy's her okay. brother or something. So it wasn't like Uncle um, John as in dad's best, like number one brother or anything like that. It was Uncle, old Uncle John. Yes. Okay. So it's all right because the boy's going to look after me, Mum. Yeah. So, uh, you know, normally when you finish school you get uh, like a gift yeah. from your parents or something, <laughs> you know. Um Mum bought me a heap of his merch as a gift. Oh, really? Yeah, off him while yeah. he was here. Probably helped him buy some food while he was on the road. Yeah. Um, and then she took me to her friends who was a screen printer and said, can you make this stuff? So I started working with Adam, bringing this stuff over here and selling it and printing it. That's so amazing. Mum got on board. Um, What's dad thinking about this? I'm at home at the time, so I'm not, I'm not bringing income in from it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and there's a time in I think everybody's life when you, I guess, first become an adult and whether it's a mother and a daughter or a father and a son, yeah. you've got two male adults in the house and one of them's trying to build this thing that they don't really know anything about the other one's out working every day. Yeah. You know, and there's conflict. Oh, um, yeah, of course. And you see it all the time. It's going to happen and... It was on and off, you know. There were times where I think he saw glimpses of what I was trying to do and understood it. But, you know, even for myself, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. Yeah. You know, everyone says, oh, imagine if you could do what you did now 10 years ago. I didn't know what I was doing then. No, of course not. Um, But I think I learned a lot from doing that and chipping away at it. And that's how I think the stuff with the skate shop at Coolum happened is. So did you decide not to go to uni? Yes. So you made a conscious decision to actually I'm going to make a, a go with this skate brand? Yes. And and mum was, yep, let's have a crack at that. Yeah, they, they've always been. Awesome. 
whatever I've done, you know, I remember I won some art award and then the next thing you know, we're like pursuing art. They're pretty keen on it and backing yeah. it. You know, everything I've done, they've backed along the way. They may ask the tough questions, but they've always wanted the best. But they've parented you. That's all you right. That's all you can ask for, mate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I couldn't thank of enough, really. Yeah. So where where did this go? Uh, so went up to Coolum. Mm-hmm. Um, the skate shop picked me up. They started stocking the gear. We picked up a few team riders uh, to represent the brand um, and we did a lot of that stuff. Then we brought the, the board brand out not too far down the track. That's drawing board? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I think as well like with the clothing side of things, his artwork, it was you know, you gotta have the right medium for art. You yeah, know? Of that's something I sort of respect. And a lot of the time, like a shirt can be like a picture put on a shirt, but the medium that works best for his art was always boards. Okay. You know? yeah, so yeah. the clothing was sort of umming and ahhing. Some people liked it, some people didn't. Um, but when we brought the boards out, it was like that stuff really resonated with a lot of people. Um, and I started building a bit of structure. Like I'd done other jobs along the way as well. You know, I've done a lot of. Different jobs, I was, you know, helping with estimating through like plumbing and mm-hmm. um, project management stuff. So doing this while she's still got this brand in the background? Yes. Yeah, okay. So that was your side hustle? Yeah. Um, and you're still skating? Still skating, yeah. Yeah, still skating. We used to do, I think. Comps it, or what, what sort of, how, what level did you get to in skating? Oh, they weren't really around. You know, like oh, really? here yeah. in Queensland, like they're everywhere now and we set them up. Yeah. But I think there were two. In my whole sort of youth development of skateboarding when I was growing up, there was like two and they were really sort of like in those days someone comes down the skate park with a megaphone and a bag of T-shirts. Yeah. You know, that was a skate jam. Winner, winner gets the shirt. Yeah. And that that's what there was and I, I think the first one I saw was at my local when they opened it but I wasn't at that level to compete. Um, so I just kind of watched it and then they had another one um, maybe at Paddington which was like a, a skate biz comp. They had the megaphone and they were just doing like a crazy, yeah. crazy jam. No structure to it at all. It's like here's a 10-minute timer, best trick wins sort of thing, like just absolute insanity, people running into each other. It was <laughs> chaotic. <laughs> so back when I was a kid, when you go to a skate park for fights and drugs, right, that was, that's what skate parks were all about. Like you go down there and there's there's the kids skating and stuff, but everyone else used to just hang around the skate parks because that's where the fights were of an afternoon after school or whatever, I'll oh, we'll meet at the skateboard ramp, all that sort of stuff. But then skating then be sort of started to become pretty cool and pretty trendy and and then from there it just sort of obviously grew into this phenomenon because I come from a little coastal town so surfing was more than skating but then people started to skate and that sort of got bigger and bigger. When you're in the city, it's more about skating than it is obviously about surfing because there's no surf in the city. But it's more about street skating than bowl skating and stuff like that, isn't it? Like you were talking earlier about doing the ollies up steps and doing that sort of stuff. Oh, definitely. And you see like, you know, given I guess the time I've had running through this, you know, like we've seen... Like Toowoomba, right? There's some great skateboarders come from Toowoomba. Like yeah, Joshua Aaron and Rick Thomas. Oh, well, there's no surf, right? That's your first yeah. alternative. Um, this is the one question I've never been able to answer. Like I go out there and the skate parks are not the flashes. They're pretty old. Um, these guys didn't have some crazy network of structure behind them. And I think it's just 
pure talent and determination and just, you know, the thing is you can take them to a really bad skate park and they'll perform because they're so used to it. You yeah, know? Like yeah. they're not going to worry about a little crack in the ground, yeah. you know. They're used to skating that stuff. They've um, So then put them on something clean it's like, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their yeah. resilience is mind-blowing. Yeah. Like even, well, what, it sounds really bad, but the other week we were out filming on the street. I haven't been out on the street in years because it's hard with kids, you know. But yeah. like Rick from Toowoomba, like he was skating over this rail and he copped a board to the face and we thought he split his lip but his whole lip was hanging off. Oh, really? Like hanging off. Yeah. Um, Did you get it on film? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was on the fence about sharing it because it was like... Literally hanging, hanging off. Hanging off. Oh. I, I've never seen anything like it. So um, we sent him up to the hospital and they're like, oh, we can't fix that. You need to go to this other hospital with the plastic surgeons and that. So then... But if that were me, I would have been in tears. I would have been like, nobody look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's just... Yep. Yep, okay, I'm off. Like, <laughs> it, it's like he didn't even need it. Really? Could have pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, off, I don't need lips. Um, but the wow. toughness of them, I think those guys, like. That's how they've been brought up. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's sort of how they grew up. Yeah, and it's it's the talent and the skill and all the different parts of skateboarding, you know, your, your local community is a big part of it. And, yeah. And how everybody is there. So you're in Sunshine Coast. You've got a sponsor now where we've got this brand that's happening. How big did the brand get? The clothing one? Yeah. Um, or do you, do you still got it? No, no, no. Did no, you no. Just sell it? Did you just stop it? I and think how, we kind of transitioned into the boards. Okay. Um, that was sort of what happened. And at this time we were doing demos like a roughly every weekend or every second week up the Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. Um at Coolum, and that was keeping the. It was a really interesting. Time. The the record store, which was a skate shop as well, it's at that time when you know iPods were coming out. Yeah. So the CD sales were just tanking, but the skate was picking up. So he was getting us to do skate shows every weekend at Coolum Skate Park. Yeah. Um, and that was what was basically keeping the store going. Um, but there was so much money tied up in like stock of CDs. You know, you could. 50 grand worth of CDs. Yeah, yeah, sitting there. Um, and everyone's just downloading music. So, so it, was, uh, it was changing times, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of stuff happening at that time. I suppose the good thing about skate is you can't replace it. No. So it's not something that's going to ever go away. No, and I think now we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it later, I'm sure, but with the, the way that skateboarding has been developed in the last decade, mm. it's... Uh, it's definitely here to stay and it's got too much embedded in its own communities, you know, that depending on the size of it, if it scales up and down, there's always going to be elements of it in each community. So Yeah, definitely. So we're um the the the, the record shop go bust? Did it stay open? What eventually, yeah, eventually I had to wind it down. Um I think we all kind of went our separate ways. I grabbed a few of the guys um and put them on the board brand. So mm-hmm. I had like Jack Ward, Steve Ward, they were locals from Cool. I had this guy Chris Baldwin from um, Jim Boomer, but he ended up. Uh, and how did you make money off these guys? Or you didn't? You just grabbed them as part of your brand? And they, they were like the promotional guys. So the sponsored yeah. skaters, you know, like we would give them boards and we would get photos and content and stuff like that. So yep. um, it was more like around the media side of it. Okay. Um, so they're sponsored. So then, hey, he rides my boards and then you sell more boards. Yes, so exactly. That's the basis around it. Yeah. Okay. And how did you go? Did you sell lots of boards? Not till much later. Oh, really? Um, not till much, much later, I think. So what are you, about 19, 20 now? Yeah. A bit older, yeah, about 20. So at that point I was 
it was a really sporadic change. So we started after the demo stopped at Coolum and there was a lot of, I guess, stuff floating around the internet and people seeing videos from the demos that, you know, the, the old town here and there would contact our brand and ask us to, to go to Gundawindi and do like a kid's skate demo. So mm. we would go out there and we would give out a heap of merch and boards to the kids and do a heap of shows and stay out there. Uh, you know, we go to like Longreach and do it out there or we go up north to Gladstone and do that sort of stuff. And we started to make a little bit of revenue off doing the shows yeah. and a little bit off the board sales. The board sales at the moment were just kind of ticking over. They weren't a lot and I was still working another job and then taking my annual leave to go on these tours um, and then also running the board brand at the same time. And um, you're still skating at this time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we started doing those tours and that was probably around 20, 21. Mm -hmm. I did my knee at 21. Actually, we had a photographer come down from the sunny coast to shoot this photo. And I was warming up at the local skate park and tore my ACL. In the warm-up? Yep. So he's turned up and I'm like in the back of an ambulance. Um, <laughs> to get some photos? Yeah. Uh, no. But we go to the hospital and they're like, yeah, you're fine. And I step off the gutter as I leave the hospital and my leg collapses again. And I'm like, oh, this is surely not right. So mm -hmm. got some more scans and we, we found the verdict and then sat most of that year out, then had the surgery of just before Christmas and then... Was that what, a full, full reconstruction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sat the next year out with recovery as well. Um, and are you getting sort of frustrated during that time? Yes, I'm trying to utilise the time I can. I, I, Being young and adjusting, like I put on heaps of weight, I wasn't happy about that. But, you know, when we were skating, like we were out filming on the streets so we would just eat junk food and it would burn off in like yeah, four yeah. minutes and then... When I had my knee done, I was living with like two other young guys and so like Jason would come back, he was working at JB Hi-Fi, I'm like, just grab me something on the way home. And then he's like, just grabbing KFC Hungry Jacks, <laughs> right? Not going to Woolies and shopping for me. Yeah, so yeah. I'm there trying to rebuild this leg, stuck on the couch for months and I'm eating KFC. Um, and so put on heaps of weight and then the recovery just took longer and longer because I had to get the weight off as well. Yeah, and of course. The quickest way to get it off is to skate. So you need to do the rehab to get your knee strong enough to skate to lose the weight. It's just this horrible. It's a never-ending story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, endless cycle. Um, so we're still running the brand. The guys were actually good. The team would come around and visit me and take me out on trips and stuff. Yeah. Started to organise a few more of those trips, but I couldn't do the demos anymore because uh, it never quite felt the same. Okay. Um, I didn't do the rehab at that age. I didn't know. Didn't do it properly. Didn't think about it. No, of course. That, I'll be fine. Yeah, and the yeah. surgeon was like this Scottish guy and he's like, I'm like, what do I do? He's like, you grab a heap of beer and you sit by the pool. <laughs> and then every other surgeon I've had is like, you know, if you want the strongest graft, you don't drink in recovery. And this guy said, grab some drinks and sit by the pool and yep. just – Chill by the pool. So, so you listen to him obviously because he's your doctor. Yeah, and I'm like, I just need to put it in the water. It actually felt nice in the water but I'm not doing <laughs> the, the daily stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, it wasn't that long after I did it again, you know, and then I had to get it fixed again and that was on something minor but it, I had a lot of problems for a long time. It's only the last year that it's actually started to come good. And you're you know? skating again now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I've had on and off for a really long period of time. So during all this time, obviously the board brand's now starting to make some money and you're starting to sort of get a bit of revenue off this. When do you quit your day job? Much later. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so floating along for a while. Um, I'm working at Vodafone's business centre in the head office up here in Brisbane and I uh, went to a conference and 
I met my wife now, my partner, um, who was working in their WA branch at a conference. Mm-hmm. And this is when they had this giant Vodafone thing when their network collapsed yeah. from too much strain. Um, and they were rebuilding the new one. So mass redundancies. And what's kind of happened is they've gone to her. She's lost her job so she's moved over here. And then a month later they've let me go and I've got a redundancy. And I've gone, all right, well, and also we found out that she was pregnant at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really convenient. Um, <laughs> now that I'm unemployed and we have a baby on the way, um, this is a great idea. And you're not going back to work soon, clearly. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, I have enough money here to live for three months. So if I can make three months worth of income in the next three months, I can live for another three months. So quarter by quarter. Yeah. So um, I have a business partner, Dale. He lives in Amsterdam now. He, Him and I chucked a heap of money into bulk buying a lot of boards. So we got heaps of them, right, mm-hmm. like absolutely heaps of them. Um, and I sold I think something like 80 grand worth of boards in about three weeks. How? Old school, on hustle. the phone, to the skate shop, bang, bang, Hustling, bang. hustling, yep, hustling. I was hustling. There's a baby coming. I don't know what you do with a baby. Um, <laughs> How old were you then? 25. Yeah. Yeah. So just pumping these boards out, got them all out, right? Yeah. No one's paying me. Um, cash flow for the skate shops, we put all our capital into the boards. We sold them all, but... It took us 18 months to get that 80 grand back because oh, the skate sh- stores pay on 90 days yeah, and 30 yeah. days. They're all sporadic and some of them are actually selling them and turning them over quick. They want more, but we don't have more. Yeah. So I have to buy smaller batches that cost a lot more money um, and it just wasn't working. I was like, this is a living nightmare. Yeah. You know, like how much capital would you possibly need to just roll this thing over? And you're always going to be chasing your tail. So I organized this tour. I was like, we got to go on the road again. We got to hit the road. So I got Ivan and Will. Will was one of our young up and coming guys in WA. Have we had the baby yet, or we're we still waiting? No, still waiting. Um, still waiting. Yep. Um, and I'm going on a tour, doll. <laughs> it wasn't long after <laughs> after the baby. So Maggie was born, sort of in that interim period. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't long after that I decided we got to hit the road. Um, so I had this fellow Will come over from WA, and I had Ivan. Um, who was one of our top skaters at the time. And we were doing something like 28 demos in 30 days. And I'd So talk me through a demo. All right. So generally the way we used to do them is we'd rock up to a skate park. We'd be blasting music. We'd all just skate like maniacs and someone yeah. would normally be on the mic like yelling out like if he gets this trick, I'm going to throw these shoes to the next kid or something like that. Just like a real energetic day and we kind of skate with the kids. So it was just a random or did you let people know you were coming or? Yeah, yeah, we'd let them know. We'd have yeah. like planned schedules and stuff. So this one was like we started somewhere near Rocky. I think we went Gladstone, Rockhampton and we went like Emerald, Springshaw, Moranbar, Dysart, Middlemount, Claremont, something, something, all the way out to Longreach, then mm-hmm. back down through like Charlie. It was insane. So it's three dudes. Um, my knee was not the best. Um, Ivan had cut his foot off his cast to do this trip because um, it was a really good trip. Like there was yeah, a lot yeah. of money, really good funding. So like 
you know, they're, they're small communities and so it's hard for them to get us out. But because we did a tour, like it was really cost effective for everybody and it worked out quite well. Um, so who pays for that? Uh, government, um, different people. So local councils. All yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. exactly. So oh, like yeah. part of it is like everyone's built skate parks. There's heaps of skate parks everywhere, right? Yeah. And you want them used. Mm-hmm. And if you're in like a really remote town and there's a heap of kids that live in that town, they don't know how to use it or they get bored with it and they see other people skate it, they get excited again and it increases the amount of use at the park. Yeah. So, you know, like if they were to like say one of those towns wanted to fly three dudes in, right, have them there for a day, pay for everything, pay for the hotel, all the prizes, it's too expensive. But if you can drive it and then the, Do fuel, all of them on the, the fuel's divided by... 20 towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're making it's, some It's cost effective for us to be able to support the regional kids. Yeah. So, and then we actually make pretty good money too. Um, so I had these guys and we've gone to, I think, Rocky first. And what's happened is we've, we've gone through these sort of towns and you can't back it up every day. I remember <laughs> like we, we ended up with rotating shifts. Did at, you take the, the missus and baby with you? No, no. So, so they're back the at home. Yeah. We're on the road, the three of us. Um, I think we might have even had a couple other tours going on in other places at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know Ivan's foot's busted, so we would rotate days. We basically lived off. We had Nurofen, Hydrolyte. Um, <laughs> what was the other one? I think maybe just strapping tape. Yeah. Yeah, Nurofen and Hydrolyte were our two sort of things. Um, and energy drinks, that's it. Yeah. So what we would do is we would have the Nurofen to get rid of the swelling and the pain, uh, the energy drink so we didn't fall asleep, and then the Hydrolyte so that we didn't we could actually go to the toilet after having too much Nurofen <laughs> and Ibuprofen. Um, so that was what we did to sustain ourselves along the way and we were washing our clothes in the shower and then drying them on the front of the car while we drove to the next town. <laughs> Um, it's proper tour, boys on it tour. Was, it was sketchy. Yeah. Um, it was definitely sketchy. Like, and now I think like normally when you get back from them, no one speaks to each other for about three months. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it definitely pushes your buttons. Like, yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, that tour kind of like kept us going. Um, and also while we were out there, we got some boards in the regional stores. So mm-hmm. at that point we kind of had, we had about 150 stores Stocking the boards around Australia. And there's drawing boards, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was doing that. Um, and the tours were all under drawing boards. And my business partner had been living in Melbourne and <clears throat> he'd come up at Christmas like the next year. And we're sort of, we just spend like a week together. He just hangs around, sees the kids, you know, does that sort of stuff. And we're yeah. kind of like, it's evolving, you know, like when you're going out to these towns, sometimes they're like, hey, can you, can you coach these kids a bit or can you run a competition? Um, and so he's like, they probably need to be two different things. Um, you know, the board brand and the community initiative, um, which is the Australian skateboarding community. Initiative. So mm-hmm. we ended up setting it up, um, as its own, I guess, entity to yeah. deliver stuff for regionals. Cause some of those towns we've been to, they're not, it's not like a glamorous life. You go out there and these kids have really got hard times, you know, and some of those kids now that we've actually seen 10 years ago, I have them on Instagram and they're full grown adults with kids and they're doing yeah. all right. And I'm like, we're generally getting the kids who might be too small for the footy team or yeah. You're getting those different. Yeah. And different kids, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're cool kids, but we managed to get through to a lot of them and we just did it for years and years. We traveled to the Pilbara. We did years in the Pilbara. Yeah. You know, we've done Alice Springs. We've been out at Alice Springs to Santa Teresa uh, we've been up to the Cape, you know, we've been out to Dumaji. Nice. Like we've 
I know my friend, he reckons like there's no one he knows who's actually done so much groundwork on the road than me in Australia just traveling to these yeah. towns. Um, so we've been doing that for a really long time and sort of set up its own thing and this is where it's really funny. We had this event at work um, in the Southern Downs and they wanted us to do a competition. So we've worked with the council on that and they've gone, you need this particular kind of public liability insurance. And I'm like, well, what's that? Um, they're like, you need to get it. I mean, we, ha we had insurance but not for this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, where do I even find that? So what I've done is I've looked up um, the governing body, uh, which was at the time Skateboarding Australia. Um, and they have a basically a sanction form or insurance application. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So I called them a call and I'm like, I'll fill it out and they'll give me the insurance. No biggie. So I fill out the form and it's got heaps of details on it and um, got to put in the council contact and all that sort of stuff. So fill that out and uh, I don't hear back from them. And it's like it's on the Saturday and it's like Friday. And then on the Friday they go, oh, we can't insure you, sorry. I'm like, but we have this big event. <laughs> um, and then the, the lady at the council calls me and she goes, hey, those guys you filled that form out for, um, what was it for? And I'm like, insurance. And they're like, oh, they called us and said, oh, um, you're not insured so that we should give them the money um, and no. do the event. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So um, this, this is skateboarding Australia. Yeah. So they used that <laughs> as an opportunity to give us some sort of discredit. I hadn't really dealt with them much before yeah. in the past before that because we were just kind of doing our own thing in like regional Australia. And I was like, ooh, it made me really angry. Um, yeah, bloody ass. So I literally just called up the first broker who was near my house, went in there and said, get me this now. And they did. But it kind of opened up like we now had insurance to deliver competitions and we didn't need to go through the body. Yeah. So And the body's pissed you off. Well, well it was their <laughs> own fault. Yeah, 100%. So how it used to be back then though is um, you had Skate Australia, which is the full roller sports body, and they had a subsidiary called skateboarding australia mm -hmm. and their sort of i guess vision at the time was they didn't want skateboarding to be sort of independently run everywhere they wanted one body to manage the competition circuit the coaching accreditations all those sort of things so if you weren't or well, you couldn't be skate australia if, if you were doing stuff outside of them you were sort of considered an enemy um or a rogue operator yeah um and so I'd just been with this new insurance. I was given independence to run, you know. Um, I could just carry on and actually do these competitions. I still didn't really have a lot of structure to it. Yeah. It was more of a fun thing for local communities and then things sort of expanded over time. Um, Skateboarding Australia was running a national series and randomly out of the blue they, sh they uh, cancelled the national final and they, they'd done state stops everywhere. At this time, there was kind of people going around. Oh, I'm hearing from other people like me. There's, it's not just me doing this around Australia. There's some these totem guys down in Sydney. Yeah. You know, there's this guy Luke in WA, there's Renton Miller, there's like all these different people who are actually what you call rogue operators at the time. Yeah, yeah. We were just members of the skate community. Um <clears throat> And so what's happened is when they cancelled their national final, all of these people came out of the woodwork, kicked up a stink, went to the media 
Um, and it turns out that there were a lot of issues with that sort of model and the skate community was almost against it um, to the point where the Sport Commission defunded the body and really? the body, gone. So wow. you've got all these operators now and no body, no governance, nothing. Um, and I'd spoken to a few people like Renton Miller. Um, he's like a, a great uh, veteran vert skater and Scott Shearer who was running the Brisbane Skateboard Association. And there was an email chain with I think like 50 different organisers around the country trying to figure out and just people in the community what to do like Canberra Skateboard Association, the YMCA, uh, myself, uh, Renton Miller, like a whole heap of us sort of. And we were like, well, there's a Victorian Skateboard Association. Why don't we just turn that into a new national body and rebuild? Um, and they declined. They didn't want to do that. Um, so we didn't know what to do. And everyone was kind of looking for self-governance for skateboarding. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was like, you know what? It, it's looking more sporting structured. I don't know where to look at. I don't know whether to look at go to a retail business and ask for advice. Or So I'm like, I'll go to the old local rugby league club. And just ask the guy there, I've known him for years, like what he reckons we should do. He's been around sport long enough as a sports administrator. So when I saw him, he's like, I can't help you, but here's my mate Paul's number. Um, he works at the Broncos. He probably knows some people or some ways to do stuff. So I get this guy's number on a bit of paper, I go home, <laughs> sit at my desk, kids asleep. I'm like, I'll call this Paul guy, right? And so I, I called this Paul guy at the Broncos and he's like, yep, blah, blah, blah. I had a chat to me about how sports run, how governing bodies run, how this goes. And um, he points me on to this other guy, um, Paul Hogan. But the Paul I was speaking to, it's like the Broncos CEO. <laughs> and so this guy's giving me his number and I'm talking to him. He's bringing this dude out of the blue. Yeah, off a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. He's giving me his number and he gave me like an hour of his time. Wow, um, that's awesome, isn't it? And so, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm sorry for wasting your time. And he's like, no problems. So he puts me on this hoaxy guy and I meet this hoaxy guy and he is, he's just full of energy. Um, he's like a player agent. He does a lot in sport. And, yeah. Um, he's like, I got a mate, another mate. So yeah. we're going mate through the chain of reactions. Yeah. Um, and he's like, we've got this other mate, Guy Gibbons, bring Guy in. He's like the ABC legal talkback guy um, and he's actually worked in a lot of different sports like motorsports bodies and stuff like that, building them. So those two bring me into this meeting at Carindale in Brisbane at the Carindale Hotel and Hoagsy's like, this is this Donnie guy, I met him last week. Um, he says skateboarding's fucked um, and this is what everyone kind of wants. We need some structure to it. There is no body. Um, how do we go about it? And guy's like, let's just start a new one. Mm. And I'm just like, what? How do you just make body yeah. from scratch um that's crazy you're all crazy um <laughs> and so them two are just so enthusiastic they're like yep let's do it it's happening i'm like well yeah, shit, it's happening um <laughs> so now i'm i've got renton right and renton is sort of an icon in australian skateboarding and i've gone to renton oi you know we we're talking about going and we met this hoagsy guy and this is what we were talking about like they're gonna go ahead with it. We need to we need to be involved and we need to make sure it's run properly. So um, I took Renton on a tour over to the Pilbara and sort of like showed him like another side of skateboarding in the country. We're in like uh, this place called Roburn um, and they built a new skate park in this like indigenous town and we worked with all these kids 
they were like just picking up boards and going straight away. And I was just showing him like what you can actually do with skateboarding um, and what these guys wanted to do yeah. was they don't want to monopolize it. They don't want to have a body that runs everything. They just want to enable people in the community to be able to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. So demonopolize, right? Open the whole thing up. Allow people like myself, like all the little organizers, like the guy in the local town who runs the skate park and decides that he wants to put on a comp, he can contact us and get all the stuff he needs to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's what they, they aim to set up and they did. Um, so they set up the Australian Skateboarding Federation um, and we brought in the guy who's been doing my accounting, David Cowling. He actually has worked for a lot of skate brands uh, and people in the skateboard industry as an accountant. So there's no better, I guess, secretary um, or treasurer who's got an understanding of... Of the skate industry, yeah. Yeah, and the actual finances of it. So mm -hmm. he was brought in and started building coaching courses. Uh, we got linked with the International Federation, um, which is Tony Hawk and Gary Ream, and that was the one that ran all the major pro circuits at the time. Um, we started... So have you met Tony Hawk? No, no. They just, they just run that international thing? Yeah, so... And does he run it or do they just use his brand? Well, it's all changed now. Okay. Um, so I, I imagine we'll, we'll hit that point at some yeah. point. But, um, yeah, it's all different now though, uh, with the Olympics and stuff. So there's been a lot of changes at the uh, top level. So we set that up. We set up a ranking system for the competitions and the way it worked is instead of having like one body go and run all these competitions and have their own rankings, all the local people in the community could run comps. And then depending on how much prize money and a few other um, criteria, the comp would be ranked on points. So we started to build this, this framework, a structure. Yeah, yeah, so we had, we had coaching programs run by local coaches everywhere that were feeding people into these competitions and then these competitions were growing. Um, and the structure of what we've been doing has just been changing but now there's – it started off as like four people but there's uh, I think – 71 organizations which are local skate schools or clubs or event organizers under the federation um in the whole country there's about 350 coaches that have gone through the system and wow. we've got an umbrella of people yeah. in their own community running it their own way running it their own way if, but they're all got the support and the backup that they need. Yeah. Like we say to, like, for example, the, I use these guys as an example all the time. There's these guys in Ballina, truck stop skate shop, right? Yeah. So they have their own style. They love shredding bowls. Really great guys. You know, and if they do, you know, they'll blast, you know, rock music and dress the way they want and run the programs that they want their own way. So, like, we don't want to take that away from no, of course skateboarding. Not. We want everyone to embrace their own culture. Yeah, we yeah. just make them do it safely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, make sure that they've got support along the way so it's sustainable. So what's your role in that federation now? I, I deal with the affiliates, so I'm a board member, but my job is to sort of work with them. So, hey, we're going to set up a, a skateboard club on the Sapphire Coast of New South Wales. Mm -hmm. We're a heap of dads and skaters. How do we do that? Give them advice, talk to them about business structure, um, talk to them about overheads, you know, what is your insurance going to cost? Um, what are you looking to do every year? Do you have other people around you we can plug you into? Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the longest periods of peace we've had. You know, they're not fighting against each other. They're all embracing each they're, other. They're playing nicely. Yeah. And are you still in contact with Uncle Johnny's son? 
Yeah, yeah. He's actually doing a designing a flyer for me at the moment. Yeah. Um, so what's he doing nowadays? Still running drawing boards. Yeah. Um, in England, he's got a little girl. Uh, he lives at Brighton near the beach there, and yeah, he's still doing it. Did he get a haircut and a, have a shave? Yeah, I think his his dreads are gone. <laughs> the beard the beard is still there, but he's definitely got rid of the dreads. He had a bad run too with injuries. He had a kid's board hit him in the ankle. Oh, right? that's really hard. Hurt. Blew his ankle apart. He had to have wow. surgery on that, and then another kid's board wrecked his other ankle. Oh, geez. The exact same accident, which is rare as hell, but I tell you what, it's amazing that he has kids because you think he would hate them. <laughs> um. So what's Slow Coach? Oh, Slow Coach. Uh, so I'm a big fan. Mm. Uh, I met these guys be two years ago now. Uh, they contacted me and said, I get these kind of queries all the time. I get, yep. I get queries about, yeah, we've got AI coaching software. We're going to replace coaches with digital For technology. Well, yep, that's what they want to do it with. Um, I had a guy come in and do How that. How the hell are they going to do that? It, you can't, right? But the slow coach guys came to me with this different idea, and they're like, we're building an elite coaching model, right? Mm -hmm. where we can get the best coaches of all the sports, and we're going to build a software, and the idea behind it is that, we can service people online. Yep. And the idea is that if you are a talent and you live in Weeper, yep. right, you can access a top coach and still keep progressing. So we're able to make sure that, I guess, from a talent perspective in developing sport, people in those regional areas aren't limited by who's available near them. Um, and let's say that they want Donnie to coach them in skateboarding. You you can then take them and talk to them. How does that work? Oh, it's really cool. So the way it works is they book a session on the, the Slow Coach website. Yep. They can upload four or five videos of the trick that they're trying to learn. Okay. Right? From my end as a coach, yep. I, I jump in there. I can slow them all down, see the different angles, draw on it, comment on it. Um, oh, okay, like move your foot here, do that. Yeah, yeah, oh, and then wow. basically That's do like cool. a full session and then send them back an instructional video with a breakdown and their video playing with my commentary and all the drawings and slow-mo in the background so they can go and then learn that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's great for skateboarding. It works for us. It works for a lot of other sports. Like I know they've got cricket. Yeah. Um, they've got, you know, they they got a lot of different sports. In skateboarding I think it's – especially beneficial because you do have a lot of skaters in regional towns and there's not a lot of them there and not a big support network. So mm -hmm. you can really close that gap in like Well, it's great, isn't it? Because it opens everything up and enables you then to actually be in more places than once. You've now – how many kids have you got now? Me at yeah. home? Like my, my own children? Yeah, yeah. Oh, two. So you've got two kids so you don't travel as much as you used to but at the same time you can coach some kid in Weeper – by using the slow coach. That's exactly great. right. That's and wonderful. And for me, I'm on there at the moment, but I don't think like long term I would be one of their permanent coaches. I want to get the best of this. So they have Tommy Finn. He's the best street skater. Mm -hmm. um, really well known. Great guy. Great coach. And if you're a good skater, are you a good coach? No. No, 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 no. Like for me. That's the same as every sport though. Yeah, exactly right. Like I personally, coaching is one of my weaker points, yeah. um, to be perfectly honest. Um I can coach you if you want to learn to skate, yep. right? But when it comes to kids, 
I shank it all the time. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a specialist in like if you come to me and say, I want to learn this trick, I can show you how to do that. Right? Okay. But it's not going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm going to be like, this is where you put your feet up. You put your shoulder in the wrong spot again. And yeah. again, why do you keep moving it back to the wrong spot? Put it back there. Because you're Leave a dad there. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it works on older people, they just they like that kind of way of learning and they pick it up and they understand yep. it. But on a kid, it's very monotonous um, and they don't really enjoy it. So I'm, I'm a, a skills technician, you know, yep. I'm not there. I'm, I'm there to get a job done. I'm not get there the to job make done it fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's hard because I guess we've got the Olympics, we've got... So that's pretty exciting news yeah. that skateboarding's in the Olympics. Like... Imagine back to a, uh, a sort of 13-year-old Donnie skating in the streets, sort of waxing up the gutters. You never thought it would be an Olympic sport. No, no. So like, what, what is it? What, what's the Olympic sport? Is it tricks? Is it mega bowl? Is it X Games type stuff? What is it? They, they've stuck with the two, I guess, traditional competitions of uh, the street style. Um, so you, when you say street style, is that speed or is that more? No, like rails, yeah, stairs. Okay. You normally get a timed run. Okay. Uh, you got to do like a minute run or a 45-second run and then like I guess a hammer section where you have to like do like five tricks down something really massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got what the uh, the park side, which is like bowl. But the okay. bowls, they're like a bit more than just a normal round pool bowl. They're kind of like weirdly shaped with lots of different flow elements yeah. and it's you know they're not a, normally as high as a really deep bowl so, so they, it's more like a rhythmic, rhythmic gymnastics type thing on a skateboard probably yeah you could put it that way but i mean it yeah. invites more like technical stuff with yeah, that yeah stuff. so it's not like the big aerial tricks and slides and they stuff. still do them but it inv- having that style of bowl or park invites more like flip tricks yeah. and grinds and stuff like that okay so um, it's more the majestic skater. Yeah. Well, it's really raw, fast, hard yeah, you know, yeah. Um, style, I guess. So do you think if that had been around when you were younger, you would have had a crack? No. Were you that good? No. Um, I peaked pretty young, blew out pretty young. I, I still learn stuff today. Oh, of course you do. I right? always do. Um, would I have done it? No. And oh, wow. I'm pretty motivated, right? Um would I have been motivated enough to do all that training? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I watched that Michael Jordan documentary and I'm like, what an amazing man. Oh, Not for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I love nice being motivated but I don't want to be that motivated <laughs> yeah, because 100%. I need to chill. Yeah. Um, and then I see, you know, when I played rugby league, uh, I was – the fastest guy in the league. And I remember that getting run down one year for the first time after like six years or something. Someone actually ran me down and I was like, everyone else is training, doing gym, weights. Mm. I'm not, you know. <laughs> I'm I, doing I, nothing. <laughs> yeah. And and I was like using the game and the, the game as my as fitness, you, yeah, you know, yeah. but I don't know if I would have had what it would have taken in that to pursue it. Like I don't like, like even rehab on yeah. a knee injury is – I do so much stuff and I've built things into my life to avoid doing gym work. I cannot stand the gym. So <laughs> my office is 6Ks from my house and I ride there on a bike with no gears up yeah. a hill, right? So I have to get to work anyway. But because I do that, I don't have to go to the gym and That's do a leg press. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then I'm next to a skate park. So I go for a roll, yeah. um, you know, and then sometimes I'll just do like some basic light resistance band stuff i cannot stand going to the gym um i will and you know i'm kind of lucky now i've built a lot of things in my life to be able to just kind of organically do it without having to 
you, you just keep moving now as yeah. opposed to exercising. I still respect those people. Like, you know, I used to be like, oh, look at those guys and they're all ripped and, they're, you know, they're probably weirdos or something, but <laughs> they still put a lot of effort in, oh, hell yeah. you know, and I'm like, that is more effort than I want to give. Um, <laughs> I'd rather chill. I love mental effort, you know, more than physical. I'm a, I'm a skateboarder and I love doing skateboarding, but I am a from a work side of things, I like mental challenges and So what do you solving. do now? What's your job? Uh, Actually, I'll ask you a different question. I ask one of your kids, what does dad do? What do they say? Normally it's, it's the same questions like when people ask me because mm. I say, or they ask my wife um, and she can't answer. He does uh, skateboarding things, Stuff. things in skateboarding. So I hover like at the moment. All right, give you an idea. I do... Wherever there aren't skate schools or wherever there's skate schools that are growing, we run free learn the skate programs with the councils okay. to get those kids into the skate schools and develop them. Yep. There's one thing we do. Um, we run grassroots competitions in regional towns that qualify them for major events mm -hmm. to build a pathway so that skateboarding doesn't become a sport filled with rich kids who live in the cities. Yeah. You know, we want the best talent, not the person with the most money. 100%. So we go bush. Okay. Right? We do that. Um, I'm building an international skateboarding competition up in Mackay mm -hmm. called the Rumble on the Reef. Uh, we're in our third year. Um, at the moment, it's the Australian ASF Championships of Street. Um, it's on a $3 million skate park. It runs for a week long. And in the second week as well, we've got... Uh, wakeboarding and kiteboarding okay. um, and a seafood festival. So we actually booked out like an action sports festival for the whole two weeks in Mackay awesome. every September. Yep. Um, it's coming at the right time because I think we've got a big economic downturn in, in the regions from mm -hmm. tourism. So, you know, like that event is probably worth, I would say this year it could be worth, you know, 7 to $12 million for the economy for there. The area. Nice. Um with all the growth involved. I mean, it, after COVID, no one knows. You know, you're kind of like, are there going to be 5,000 people this year or six people? Yeah, um, yeah. But I think one of the side effects we've noticed with our community is because 20 or so events have been cancelled for COVID, they also haven't had to travel to 20 others. So, so now they're going, um, let's go to the big one. Yeah, that's the big party. And we put a, we put a bar at the skate park for the week. Nice. Right? Um, and everyone behaves. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely changed over time. Um, so I'm working on that. That's my main focus at the moment. I've started working with the slow coach guys on a strategy for how we service these kids in the regions and mm. how we make sure the coaches have enough work. So um, we've got we're going to have a specialist bowl, street, and vert and women's coach um, in there. So we're going to bring a few more new ones in, and awesome. then we're going to look at how we actually connect the kids around the country into those those programs with them as well. So I'm doing that for yep. them and I'm on the Tokyo Commission. That's a lot of just sort of input, um, updates on what's happening uh, with Tokyo, qualification systems and I think given – so the body's back. Um, Skate Australia is opened again because they're the ones who look after the Olympic stuff. Here. Yeah. Okay. So um, – we now have two bodies, uh, one that's sort of run by the skate community, um, which is the ASF. It's got all the organisers and there's... And do they talk, the two bodies? Yeah. They're friendly? Uh, yeah, we're pretty friendly. Um, <laughs> it's just hard, like, you know, we've got a... What happened at the global level was the ISF, which was the ones with Tony and that, and 
the roller sports body, they kind of set up a new body called World Skate. Um, and so World Skate have the role of choosing who the body is in each country. Oh, okay. Um, and so what's happened is they picked Skate Australia here because it's World Skate also include all the roller sports. Yeah. Um, but they hadn't done skateboarding in years. Okay. Um, and we'd been functioning fully viable for five or six years now. So um, they've put a commission together, which is what I sit on. And, you know, with the knowledge of all of our partners, I can sort of help have input into this process. Nice. Um, so who, are we going to win gold at the Olympics in skateboarding? It's so up in the air. I, I'd love to say yes, but COVID has butchered the Olympics. So it's Yeah, oh, it's Olympics next year now, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, like you imagine half the qualifiers are done and then yeah. COVID happens and some countries haven't run theirs and it's a ranking system, right? So if they decide that they go off the previous results, we get people who make it. But if they run more events in other countries, maybe we don't make it. Oh, wow. Um, so, so we haven't qualified yet. Well, we've got some in there now, mm. but we don't know what the future part's going to look like. Oh, wow. Um, because... Say you had all the continental championships, right? Yeah, and yeah. Let's say only half the continents ran them. How do you have a result? Um, it's in depth, isn't it? It's very complex. I do not <laughs> want to be in their shoes. All I do is I'm the messenger to a lot of the skaters, that, like, and I can explain it to them in a way that they understand. But yeah, yeah. at the moment there's no sort of set decisions on what they're going to do. I think whatever way they're going to do, some people are going to be happy, some people are going to be unhappy, but... It's probably going to be the best decision. Um, I just hope that our people punch away at it and come home strong to uh, to get some spots in there. So let's turn back the clock. What do you sit here now and tell 17-year-old Donnie that's going to happen? He's there at school not knowing what's going on before he goes and meets Uncle Johnny's son. If I were to tell him one thing, I would say that day at Fairfield when you did your knee, just have a day off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what know, advice would you give him, though, other than having the day off to wreck your knee? I don't know because if I look at now... Because you're just an older 17-year-old Donny, though, aren't you? Correct, but <laughs> everything that's happened along the way has been the right decision, Yeah, even if it was the wrong one at the time. 100%, I agree. Um, so... I don't know. It's it's a really That's a really odd question. Like, I'd probably tell him, like, yeah, definitely don't go to Fairfield that day. Um <laughs> You know, maybe probably look back at people you know who died and go visit them. Um, yeah. Like the the path I've been on, um, like I've done so many stupid things over the years. I, you know, made so many mistakes that like I think what's been very lucky is I've learned from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. So taking them away would just make me stupid now. I agree. Um, That's a great answer because I agree 100% is the fact that shit happens for a reason and you have to go through that to be who you are right now, right this second sitting here. Otherwise you'd be a different human. Absolutely. I think the main thing I learned along the way is I think with skateboarding is, you know, it's got so many different cultures mm. and I learned that what's making it successful and what has made I guess me successful is listening to outside of my own head. Yeah. Looking at externally what happens, you know, like, and that's the funny thing is like there's so many cultures in skateboarding. Sometimes you get one that feels like their way is, is the right way. But by doing that, they're contradicting themselves because they want it to be open. They want their, <laughs> you know. I'll be open and list to everyone, but you have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I want it to be like open and free. And I think as well, like, that's what I've kind of learned is 
the stuff that I've done that's got me where I am has also been from everyone who's sort of spoken up in the community. I've had, you know, been at competitions where I'm like, we really need structured rules. I roll out structured rules. First week we do it, right? I make an error and I break the rules, <laughs> right? And this parent calls me out on it, right? And I'm glad he did. Yeah. And I said I was wrong and I actually fixed it, right? I didn't tell him to go away and he doesn't get a choice in the decision. But being accountable is probably what I'd say. Maybe I could go back in time and say, always be accountable for your actions. Yeah. I'd probably still end up here, but then I wouldn't have done asshole things along the way. Not that I remember any, but there would have definitely been yeah, some. Yeah, 100%, mate. And Every 17-year-old kid does it. Take, take accountability for your own actions is probably one of the biggest lessons that everyone can learn. Oh, exactly. Okay, so what's the greatest ever achievement in life? I would say my proudest one is two things. Uh, getting through COVID with a business. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's massive. Well yeah. done. Um, we lost something like a hundred grand in like three days of like cancellations and all my staff lost all their coaching work and everything yeah. in between. And I probably sat there for three days with this angry head on my shoulders and then sort of, I have this unique ability. I don't know if anyone else has it, but you know how people get like depressed or sad? I can identify that it's not normal for me yep. and then actually pull myself out of it. That's awesome. So I'm sitting there moping around watching these things, waiting for the email to come in to cancel the next thing. And I'm just like, I'm not going to sit around and wait for bad things to happen. I'm like, I'm going to get organized, right? So like I call up the people with the car finance, I negotiate a deal, I pay that off early, bring our overheads down. You know, we organize online competitions with the guys who build our live scoring. We yeah. start running online competitions during COVID to keep some – Judges working, uh, keep the pro skaters working, get some prizes and keep the kids engaged so they're not suiciding in the background with all this hard stuff with COVID. Um, we actually managed to work through that situation really That's well. That's awesome. Um, Great achievement. I, I'm stoked on it. You know, it's it's kind of all behind closed doors. So it's not like the most exciting thing, but managing Just to get that, through it is massive. Yeah. And so even now we've got that one in Mackay. I knew about that event before it existed. Mm -hmm. So we survey, we do this national survey every year and we identify where people want to go. So we have, I always said I always want to do this massive event and I think we could do something in Australia that could become an international event. And we, the two places that came up five years in a row, there were only two. There were lots of different places. Sometimes they wanted Perth, sometimes they yeah, wanted yeah. Sydney. was Byron Bay and the Barrier Reef regions. Mm -hmm. And so... I knew for five years if we put something there big. They'll come. Yep. And they, them, they will come. Yeah, and that was the plan. And so over that time of looking around up there, like we built relationships with the brands and with people and with stakeholders and built a good reputation. And I um, had been doing a lot of work in Townsville. So I sort of pitched the idea to them and they didn't want to borrow it. Really? Yeah. Um they didn't want a bar of it. I don't know why. Um, they, I don't know. Anyway, so this guy calls me from Ray White Mackay and he's like 100 miles an hour on the phone, this guy, Chris Lavelle. He's a um, mover and a shaker. Yeah. Um, lovely man, I won't point out. I'm not having a go at him. He's actually fantastic, a huge fan of him. Um, and he's like, my kids are sick of this place, having problems and youth suicide and blah, 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 and we want to build a big skate park in Mackay. So 
him and his kids lobby the state, the federal, the local government. <laughs> Love it. Pull in like two and a half mil, I think. Awesome. Um, they get the Sugar Bowl built yeah. in Mackay, which is that massive skate park. And so I get brought in to sort of oversee it, not as like a paid person, just to look at the design. So I'm, I'm working with the designers. I'm like, this is the spot. This yeah. is where this event can happen. So keep the sides clear for grandstands. Plenty of power in. <laughs> this is the stuff we need. Yeah, Try yeah. and keep it a simple shape. Uh, it was kind of lucky because the PCYC donated the land, so it was a perfect block. You just build whatever you want. Mm. Um, so while they were building that, I'd, I'd spoken to the economic development team at Mackay, and I'm like, I, I noticed you've got heaps of like tourism ads that like target people over sixty um, who are like traveling. They did have like like a lot of the gray nomad tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. I think you've got lakes. I'm like, check this survey out, right? That region, it, it, people want to go there, right? Um, you've got the facility. Like we just need some funding to start this thing. Um, and so they flew me up um, and went up and saw them and... Pitched them and sold it. Yeah, and it just happens. Um, and the community up there, like you've got to love... Regional towns. Oh, man, like, Mackay people are wonderful. Yeah, yeah. they're all getting behind it, helping me. I got dudes door knocking for me, <laughs> chase, chasing funding. Like, um, but they get involved. Like, even the councils, they'll come down, they'll help put up the fencing, they'll yeah. pick up the rubbish. Like, it made it, you know. And we needed something to go that step further in skateboarding in Australia. We needed something to get bigger and push and keep growing bigger. And that brings the bottom level up. Oh, of course right? it does. And it yeah. continues to build that pathway. So, you know, we don't want to lose kids to tennis. So what's it called? What's R- the event? R- the Rumble on the Reef. Rumble on the Reef. When's it on? Uh, it is the 21st to 26th of September. And still the 21st to 26th of September? Yes. I've got yeah. about six different um, COVID plans in place. And um, let's say how many people can you fit? 5,000? Yeah, that's what we're expecting. Um over the sort of... Well, the thing is we're allowed to travel in Queensland, so we should get all the Queensland to go. It'd well, be awesome. Well, well, the borders will be open. Um, we hope. <laughs> they're supposed to be open July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> far, so good. Um, but I've got about a million plans in place to manage. To manage, just see what happens. Yeah, because the reality, the good thing about skate comp is if, if we have to have cap numbers, right, we can run the age divisions and the segments at different times during the day. Yeah, so you can um, have people come, people go. Yeah, 12 and unders come in, we do them, they go, yeah. you know, and we can do it over a few days and it's got lights and given that all the kids who come from down south get massively sunburned, they can't handle Mackay weather. Um, they want to skate at night anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, so we run a lot of it at night and then yeah, also yeah. it gives them a chance to like go do stuff during the day in yeah. Mackay. So Spend some money in Mackay, which is what we're all after. Yeah, so that works really well. So September, let's do it. Let's try and get as many people there as possible. That'd be awesome. It's going to be a busy one. Okay, the way I love to finish my podcast with quick fire questions. You ready? Yes. Favorite f- food? Lasagna. Favorite song? ACDC, Shoot to Thrill. Favorite place in the world? Oh, geez. I don't even know. Yeah, you do. Come on. Probably Mackay. Mackay. Yeah. There we go. What's next for Donnie? Expanding, expanding what I'm doing. Um, six new competitions uh, of a large scale around the country that lead into Mackay to build some bigger ones and help the other states. 
Love it. Love your work, mate. I love how you give back to community. I love that you're out in the bush talking to the kids. Mate. And the biggest thing is like stopping suicides by giving kids something to do, which I think is amazing. So as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks so much for your time today, Donnie. Thank you. I forgot to ask you, stuntman. What's the stuntman story? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this, I met this guy at my local skate park when I was about 18, 19, and his name was Con. Um, that sounds really like <laughs> not a, a good start. I met a Con at a skate oh, park, yeah. yeah. Con Christophilus <laughs> was his name. He's, uh, I'm still in touch with him now, actually, and he was telling us all down there, I'm making a movie. I, I've wrote a script. It's called Alien Sons. Um, and we're like, you're a madman. You're a madman, Con. We were good friends. We used to go hang in his house and stuff, but the idea was crazy. Um, yeah. So anyway, he turns up. He always skated from his house to the skate. But one day he turns up with a car and he's like gone into a car yard. And he's like, hey, I'm Con. I'm making a movie. And they're like, here's a car, mate. So some dude's just giving him a car. And he's all of a sudden got this car to go and take his script out to people. Um, and then he managed to get some people together. A uh, guy, I think Ozzy Deverish, he was in like Crocodile Dundee and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Ozzy was there. He used to live down here actually. Um, Ozzy got involved and Ozzy's um, brought someone in and a few different people and next thing you know this movie's happening, yeah. production. Um, and there's a scene where the guy runs through like a skate park and he meets some skateboarders and they're all doing tricks. So there's like a bit where I actually need to um, – do a trick down this thing at Pacific Pines, it's like three block, and slam three in a row, right, then get up and land the fourth one and then run up to him and talk to him. So I have to slam <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it takes me four goes just to get the trick. So, yeah. like, if I'm on that fourth go and I've had three fake falls, <laughs> but then every time I do the fall, I run back up, they quickly put more makeup on me so that there's continuity. <laughs> um, so it's like fall on the ground, roll on the dirt, get up. Quickly dab your face, <laughs> go again. And so we did all that sort of stuff. And, it's, and did uh, it get produced? Funny story, right? You're going to love this. Um, so there was this lady who was like the production coordinator, I producer or something, right? And what's happened is we're all sitting at home one weekend and everyone's phones are ringing each other, everyone from the movie, the makeup artists, the skaters, con, and the, the producer lady is on 60 minutes or a current affair. Yeah. And she's like this catch me if you can lady. Oh, really? Right. And so she was posing as a doctor in Toowoomba, right? <laughs> and she's not a doctor. And then she was posing as a real estate agent in Logan. And then I don't know how she had hustled some money out of that. But then someone had figured it out, right? And so we're watching, everyone's like put on 60 minutes, we put it on. And there's this section about this dodgy real estate agent in Logan and then they go back on her back history and it's her. And we're like, oh, my God. she was the producer of the movie. That's, that's her. Yeah. And then sure enough, she's gone. She's been found, right, because she's been skipping around yeah, the country yeah. doing this. We don't even know where she is now. <laughs> um, but the whole thing fell apart. Con still has the footage. <laughs> he salvaged the footage and he wants to get it done one day. Oh, um, but it was good guys. There was this guy, Rick Beecroft. I think he helped on like Wolf Creek and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was a Canadian guy. He was fantastic to work with. Um, 
So it's the movie that never was. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, one of the guys broke his skateboard on us. I'm like, man, we all got hurt for nothing. Um, <laughs> I love it. The insurance and then this probably wasn't real. 60 Minutes. Yeah. So to be you honest, you wouldn't write that story, would you? That would be my, maybe more exciting than um, the movie itself. <laughs> they should do a movie on her. <laughs> they should, and then that'd be part of it. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for coming to visit me. Um, welcome to Awesome Humans. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.